watching online here today wherever you are why don't you lift your hands and surrender to God and say have your way have your way you might be surprised how good you'll feel if you'll just say have your way Lord come on all over this house go ahead take a little time take a little time take a little time to say have your way have your way have your way Lord I need you more than anything I can't go on without you. I can do nothing without you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Praise God. Welcome into the presence of the Lord. Amen. You may return to your seat. Ushers will be coming. 
Thank you for taking out time to come be with us in the house of the Lord this morning. What a great day to serve him. Thank you, our online guests and those that may be watching regular actually online. Thank you for, for choosing Bethlehem Church to hear some good apostolic word and praise and worship and join with us in that. My, what a great time we've had this week camp meeting, Mississippi District Assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ camp meeting, full house every night and full of praise and power and people. Amen. Had a great time. God bless you. Bring your offering and give us unto the Lord. Will you stand? Amen. And march with us today. It'll, it'll, it'll do you good to give a little march here. Bring your offering in unto the Lord. I was weak and weary Yes, I had gone astray, walking in the darkness, could not find the way, but then a light came a shining to lead me from despair, now all my sin forgiven, and I am free from care. to pray with faith to guide me I found my way the sun is shining for me each day I found the answer I learned to pray as I was sad courage to keep my head up high. Once again I'm happy, yes, and here's the reason why I found the answer. I got to pray with faith to
the Lord. Let's worship Him. He's worthy to be praised. Have you found the answer? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you will, stand and go with me to the Word of the Lord today. So good to see everybody here, all of our guests and our members, and so thankful that you're with us this morning and our online audience as well. We're so thankful that you are joining us as we worship the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful that we are an apostolic church. Amen. That means we preach and teach the apostles' doctrine, which is repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It is absolutely the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Amen. And I'm so glad to know that the Lord is real. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. For all of our guests and our new folks, we are so thankful that you're with us. Maybe you've been away for a while and just coming back. We have a meet and greet after the service. We'd love for you to come and be with us and join us for that. We have some snacks and like to just get a chance to meet with you. That is in what we call the discipleship room which if you go through the vestibule and the prayer room, it'll be the last room on your right, and that will be immediately following the service. Then this afternoon at 5 o'clock is Be Free, which is a drug and alcohol intervention program, addiction recovery program, and that is at 5 o'clock in the dining room of our educational facility, and we encourage you to go to that. If you are struggling with any kind of addiction or you have a family member that is, uh, you will find lots of good support there at 5 o'clock. Church at 6. I'm sorry, prayer at 6. And church at 6.30. Then, of course, Wednesday night, 7.15. We'll be right back here. And uh, I'm going to the Second Corinthians 11. While you're turning there, I want to say thank you to everyone that served during camp meeting and the lead up to get ready for camp meeting. And, uh, man, what a great time we had. The Lord moved in a mighty way. I know many of you didn't get to experience it because you were in the kitchen or parking lot or out back somewhere doing something, working, making sure it happened. But I want you to know how much I appreciate all of you. And uh, I want to say happy birthday to Luke Ryder today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Luke is 29 years old. Can you believe it? I told Luke, I said, man, you're 29 and you look 19. I'll be 52 in about three weeks, and I look like I'm 82. And so, Luke, happy birthday. I sure love you. Amen. We love Luke. Praise God. Amen. And if you will, be in prayer for the Skelton family at the loss. Sister Flossie passed away this week. And so, if you will, be in prayer for the Skelton family. I know that they will appreciate that. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. The greeting team is having a meeting next Sunday morning immediately following service. So if you are involved in that or are interested in being involved in that, please make a note of that after next Sunday's service, Sunday morning service. 2 Corinthians 11 and 24, if you found it, say amen. And of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That didn't mean with drugs. He, they threw rocks at him. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. At night and the day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. 
in perils of water, in perils of robbers. Everybody say robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. Everybody say my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. In watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus... The governor under Aratas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. This passage of scripture I hope will speak to us today I want to preach for a little while on this thought hold the rope look at somebody tell them hold the rope and through a window in a basket was I let down if you're going to be let down by somebody I, I sure hope that they're holding the rope when they're letting you down Look at somebody else, tell them, hold the rope. God, I thank you for your word. I ask you to help me to preach what you've given me. Lord, I pray that you would give this congregation the metal to receive your word and apply it. I ask you, God, to anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say. I pray, God, that your word would work. Do what you send it for. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, to give me the anointing to preach, the boldness to preach, the direction to preach. I bind my human thoughts and the emotions of my heart, and I pray, God, that I would speak your word and your heart. Lord, let it be accomplished by your Spirit in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is Paul's defense of his ministry and the church. 2 Corinthians 11 and 1, Paul starts the chapter by saying, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed, bear with me. Paul asked the church to bear with him in his folly. In other words, I got some stuff on my heart and I got to say it. He wanted to get some stuff off of his chest. And he said, I hope you'll just bear with me. Just 
let me talk to you for a little bit. And he goes in the next verse and says in verse 2, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Jesus Christ. He said, I preach and I teach and I train you so you, so I can present you to Jesus Christ, holy, right, ready to serve him. He was concerned that false teachers and critics and others would lead some from the church away from truth. He told the church that he was jealous over them with a godly jealousy. He did not view the church as just another entity or business or association. He didn't view the church as just a building or even just a congregation. But you are only jealous over things that you love and have affection for. The word jealousy here means excitement of mind, fervor of spirit, zeal in embracing, pursuing, defending. Everybody say defending. Zeal in behalf of a person or a thing. Paul said, I have fervor and zeal in embracing, pursuing, and defending you, the Corinthian church. Then he said, not only am I jealous, but he said it is a godly jealousy. God gave me these emotions I feel towards the church. God put this jealousy in my heart and my spirit. God's the one that put an excitement and a fervor and a zeal to embrace, defend, and pursue the church. Paul said, I used to persecute the church. I used to attack the church. I used to despise the people in the church. Paul was on his way to Damascus carrying papers to persecute the church. In those days, they wrote their accusations. Now they type them on social media. Paul was a persecutor of the church. But when God got his attention on the Damascus Road, all that changed. When Paul had a problem with the church, it wasn't the church, it was Paul. But once he got full of the Holy Ghost, his perspective changed. Amen. You don't have to help me preach. I'm going to preach with or without you today because it's in my spirit. I contend that when people get full of the Holy Ghost, they fall in love with the church. That's okay. I'll say it again. When people get full of the Holy Ghost, they fall in love with the church. And the more they lose the Holy Ghost, the more they get critical of the church. Amen. Paul asked the Corinthian church to bear with him. And so I'm asking you to bear with me this morning. Bishop J. Frank Wilson 
said if people won't give, get it over a pulpit, they're not going to get it over a desk. And so there's some stuff going to come over this pulpit today that's been needing to be said for several years, and it's time to say it. I was listening to a conversation that Steve and Joanne, my, my good friends on the front row that I, I scare Brother Steve every time I come in here. He's worshiping and I come in and tap him on the shoulder and I scare him. It's become something I look forward to. They were having a conversation at our outing on the 4th of July with a man that had been away from God for many years that they had known, that Steve, I think, had known when he was a little boy, a young, a young boy at least. Steve was talking about some of the things that he was dealing with in his life when he came here. Talked about some of the, the addictions and things that he was trying to get away from, struggling with. And I overheard him tell this other gentleman, he said, when I came into this church, I, and he said all the stuff he was dealing with, he said, but they just loved me anyway. Amen. Thank you for loving him anyway. And Steve, we do love you and Joanne. We're so glad you guys are here. The other day I happened upon a post by one of our young mothers in the church. And she was talking about how much she loves the church. I spent the week around this property for camp meeting watching people from our elders to our children serving and working in the kitchen, on the parking lot, in the dining room, sound, video, lighting, music, people, some older, some under 30, by the way, taking off work to come during the day to fix things so it would be ready for church at night. I want everyone who served during camp meeting or in the days preparing for camp meeting to stand, if you will. If you served at all during camp meeting, leading up to or after, there'd be a whole lot more than this, but they're back serving again right now. I want everybody to give these folks a good hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to know I appreciate you. Thank you for wearing yourselves out to serve others. Thank you for giving of yourselves for other people. Paul said, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I want to tell the church something. There will always be people who will criticize you, who will get a bad spirit and run you down. But you got to keep on going and keep on serving and keep on worshiping because you're doing it for God. So just keep on going. I was at, I was at General Conference a few years ago, and, and for me, it's work. I'm busy all day long in meetings and tied up with stuff, and so I don't get a lot of time to relax. But at one, for one little bit, I had a chance to uh, sit with a pastor and have coffee, and he asked me a question. He said, well, he made a statement, then asked a question. He said, you seem to get along with everyone. And he said, is there a preacher that you just can't get along with? And so I sat there, and, uh, and somebody came to mind. 
But I, the more I thought about it, I told him, no, there's not one that I can't get along with. I said, but there is one in 36 years of ministry that I don't really like. I said, he's hard for me to go, get along with, but I can because I try to. There was a preacher who got sideways with five or six other preachers and left our organization. Not the other thousand preachers, just five or six. But he got an attitude about the whole organization. He got where every conversation he had was negative. Always putting it down, always complaining about it. He had been a friend for years, but I realized that it wasn't healthy for me to stay in communication with him because he was bad for my spirit and attitude. And so I quit interacting with him. I didn't run him down. I didn't talk about him to others. I didn't post about him. I just insulated my spirit from his spirit. If I thought it would do any good, I would have told him, you've had problems with this preacher that no one else ever has problems with. And you've had problems with that preacher that no one else has problems with. And you've had problems with this one that no one else has problems with. And this one that nobody else has a problem. And if I thought he would receive it, what I'd tell him is, you're the problem. It's not everybody else. It's not the thousand other preachers that's the problem. It's you that's the problem. But I knew he wouldn't listen to me, so I just, just let him go. You would think that eventually he would realize that he's the problem. It's his spirit, his attitude, his rudeness that pushes people away. But instead he blames everybody else rather than make himself a better person. When you find somebody that's always critical and complaining about everyone else and everything else, they're the problem, not you. Pray for them, but go on. Don't let them affect your attitude and your spirit. You have to say, amen, I'm still preaching the truth. There are people that I have unfollowed on social media because I'm tired of their negative, critical spirit. They think it's everybody else, but it's really them. And I'm not submitting my mind and my spirit to it anymore. Paul was all about his mission. He was sold out to the mission of reaching the world and establishing churches, making disciples for Jesus Christ. He gave everything he had to the work of God. He preached, he wrote, he prayed, he traveled all for the purpose of the mission. To Paul, the mission was everything. It wasn't just part of his life. It was the purpose for his life. It's why he was born. And when somebody attacked the church, they were attacking Paul. And he took it personal. He said, I'm jealous for you. And it's not just me, it's God that made me feel this way. Can I tell Bethlehem Church, I'm jealous for you. It bothers me when people pick on you and talk about you and run you. It gets on my nerves. And I'm tired of it. When someone attacked the church, they were attacking the mission. 
And when it undermined the mission of the church, it bothered Paul. John the Apostle got so bothered by people who worked against the church. John was known as the disciple of love. He was the one who said that if we say we love God and hate our brother, we are liars. It was also John that said you can't love God who you've not seen and hate your brother who you have seen. It was John who said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth knoweth God and loveth God. But it was also John that said, They are antichrists because they're not of us. It shows by the example of Paul and John that you don't have to continually submit yourselves to people who attack the church. You got to love them, but you don't have to give them access to your spirit and your heart. Paul told them, I was beaten by the Jews on five different occasions for this gospel. Three times they beat me with rods for this gospel. One time they stoned me for this gospel. Three times I was shipwrecked for this gospel. I floated a night and a day in the sea, almost drowned for this mission. In journeyings, often I've traveled for the kingdom's sake, weakening my own body, but I did it for the kingdom. Paul said, I did it all for the furtherance of the gospel. He said, I was in peril of robbers and heathens. Is that what he said? In perils of robbers and heathens. You expect robbers and heathens to be against the church. That's what robbers and heathens do. Don't be surprised when a robber robs and a heathen heathes. I don't know if that's a word or not. I was just trying to lower the tension a little bit. Can't get upset when sinners run the church down. You expect that of sinners. Don't get upset when other denominations run the church down. You expect that of sinners. We expect robbers to act like robbers and heathens to act like heathens. We don't have to like it, but we're living in a generation that is against the church. Don't be surprised when the forces of hell conspire to diminish the ministry of the church. But you need to be careful that you don't help the robbers and the heathens in their work against the church. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and 26, he goes through and journeys often perils of water, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen. My own countrymen. The Greek word countrymen is the word genos. It's where we get the word genome or genes or genetics. It means to generate. He says, they, they, he said, my own countrymen, people we generated from the same family. The word countrymen means kin, family, the same tribe, the same stock. Paul said it's one thing for the mission to be put in peril by robbers and heathens, but when it's your own genos, your own kin, family, and tribe, that's when it hurts the most. You spend day after day in hospitals, in the community, at funeral homes, stores, rehabs, jails, trying to show the community that you're not just a bunch of weirdos with long hair and skirts that scream and holler all the time that don't want you to come into our holy building because you're not good enough, and we do all we can to try to break down that wall, and then one of our own country women or countrymen undo it in the matter of a few strokes. It's a problem when the countrymen ally with the robbers and the heathens. But Paul said, I'm just going to keep on preaching the mission. I'm just going to keep on preaching the word. 
I'm just going to keep on preaching the gospel. You cannot get sidetracked. you got to keep on loving people. Just keep shaking their hand, patting them on the back. Tell them you love them. This world needs to know that the church is here. Just regroup and keep loving people, serving people, working for God. I'm so thankful. We had, if you didn't watch the morning show, the morning show this, this morning was all about how thankful that I am and the hosts of the show are for our church. I'm so thankful for our elders, our middle-aged folks, who are so supportive of the work here. You are proud of our youth and our young couples. Thank you for that. You love watching them work and excel in the kingdom of God. Every week I have elders in this church come up and brag on our young couples and our young people. Thank you for those encouraging words. I hope you tell them that too. Thank you for supporting the next generation and realizing that they're doing good and they're trying their best. Nothing kills the mission more than generational wars in churches. And I'm thankful that 99.9% .9 of this church understands that and you're supportive and you're behind and you want it to go forward. Thank you. That's why you have to focus on the positive, not the negative. Paul said the mission was put in peril by my own countrymen. The people that should be with me, that should be defending the work, that should be standing with the mission, have allied with the robbers and the heathens to hinder it. You can almost feel Paul's frustration. Finally, he finishes in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six by saying perils among false brethren. He acknowledged that there were some who claimed to be brothers, but they're not. They say they're one of us, but they aren't. They claim the Holy Ghost, claim to love holiness, claim to love the truth, yet they bring peril to the mission. Paul goes into a list of things that he had endured for the sake of the church. The mission of God for his life. He said in verse 27, in weariness. The word weary there means to lose strength, to get tired, but it also means to suffer a beating. You've never felt what it feels like to suffer a beating for people you're trying to help, then you don't know the meaning of weariness. And painfulness. In watchings often, up all night, worried, watching. In hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Paul said, all that I endured for the sake of the gospel. I think Brother Garnett preached about the prison that Paul was in one time. You can actually visit that prison when you go to Rome. It's this underground prison with a little, a little hole at the top that they would drop food or water through. All of that, Paul said, for the sake of the mission, the gospel. And then he says in verse number 29 of 2 Corinthians 11, who is weak? The word there, weak, means feeble, sick, or to lose strength. He said, who, who is weak? He said, am I not weak? He said, you think you're the only ones that get tired and weary, that lose their strength? Then he said, who is offended? And I burn not? It's an interesting statement. The word offended here is very interesting. It means to put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way. 
that could make someone else trip. He said, when somebody puts something that could get in the way of someone worshiping God, coming to the church, he said, I burn. It makes me mad. It makes me angry. Y'all act like you're nervous. The more I preach, the more nervous you get, and the more I preach, the more comfortable I feel. Paul said, listen, when somebody becomes a hindrance, it makes me mad. When you put stuff out that goes to the whole world and makes somebody think bad of the only place in this community where they can get their life turned around and changed, the only church in this city, in this part of the county that preaches one God, Jesus' name, Holy Ghost and holiness, and you're going to throw something out there that might keep somebody away. Paul said, it makes me mad. And I tell you, you got a mad pastor this morning. It offends me. It offends me when me and my family and the workers of this church, our Sunday school teachers, our singers, our musicians, our ushers, our greeters, our cleaners, our lawn care, our maintenance, our video, our sound, on and on. Our elders, our middle-aged, our under 30, our teenagers, work, work, work. And somebody throws something out that might keep somebody away. You need to repent. Your spirit's wrong. Paul said, it burns me up. Paul said, am I? He said, You're, it burns me. He said, I burn within. God, I hope some people that see the foolishness that some people engage in, don't let that keep them from coming and finding salvation. Working ourselves constantly. I can't trade a vehicle because I put so many miles on it. Working our cars, our bodies. I pull out of hospitals and I see people from our church pulling in to visit folks. Not preachers, people. Cook food for funerals. Do this, do that. 11th hour, Friday night. That ends after midnight. And when I'm going home to go to bed, there's people here to clean the church to have it ready for today. And Paul said, when you become an obstacle to all that people are doing, it, he said, I burn. It makes me mad. And don't say, well, you shouldn't get mad, preacher. You don't understand the Bible if you say that. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. And I'm not sinning right now. I think it's righteous indignation. Paul said, I'm jealous for you with the God. God made me feel this way. There's no place. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, there's no place that I feel I could take my children that would be any better than this place to find heaven. Thank you for loving my family. Thank you for loving me and my wife. My wife's laying in bed with a fever because she's been here every day for weeks from morning till night because she loves this work and it bothers me when somebody throws it under the bus. Grow up. Get a, get a right spirit and pray through. You'll be okay. There ought to be an indignation that rises up in the church to defend the mission of the church. But don't do it on social media. You can't win against keyboard warriors. Just do what I did. Unfriend them. Don't jump in the pig pen with them. 
Paul continues a few more verses and then ends with two verses that seem totally out of place in this chapter. I'm almost done. I am. He goes through this entire chapter defending his ministry and the work of the church. Talking about the things he's had to fight against to make it happen. And then the last two verses of this chapter are so out of place, completely out of place. He tells them that when he was in Damascus, at the very beginning of his ministry, he's on the road to Damascus, papers under his arm. And God strikes him blind in the street and says, go to Straight Street and there'll be one that'll meet you there. It's at the very beginning of his ministry. But Paul is so convinced that Jesus is the Messiah that he starts preaching in Damascus. At this time, the other disciples won't have anything to do with him. If you read the parallel passage in Acts chapter number 9, you'll find out that the disciples, they were afraid of him. That's what the Bible said. They, they, it, it, took, it took Barnabas to convince them to let him even come talk to them. They thought it was all a trick that he was playing church so he could find out who the leaders were so he could kill them. And so they wouldn't even talk to him. But Paul is doing the work of God. He says, when I was in Damascus, he said, there was a time when the other disciples, they were still afraid of him, refusing to, he was preaching, and the Jews in Damascus got so mad that they stirred up the governor and the king against him. Acts 9 says that the governor had soldiers at every gate, day and night, trying to catch him so they could kill him. If you want to read the more detailed story, do it. It's Acts 9, don't do it while I'm preaching. It might get me mad again. Listen, 2 Corinthians 11, 32 and 33. In Damascus, the governor under Artas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. They wanted to arrest me. They were going to, Acts 9 says they wanted to kill him. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. If you read this chapter, Brother Wilson, these two verses don't go. He's listing all this stuff that he had to fight against. All one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. And then at the end, he throws in this little story that I was in Damascus and they wanted to kill me and some people let me down through a basket through a window. Acts 9, 25 said the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. This little story appears to be out of place in context of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, but I don't believe it's out of context at all. Paul spent time railing on those who were enemies of the mission. He said, I was in perils of robbers and perils of heathens and perils of my own countrymen and perils of false brethren. But he wanted it to be known before the chapter ended that not everyone was bringing peril to the church. That when the king and the governor of Damascus was watching the gates that day, and watching the gates at night to kill Paul, that there were some faithful disciples, members of the church, who let him down in a basket, risking their own neck, giving their time, their energy, their strength to make sure that the mission goes on. That while there are some countrymen, and while there are some false brethren, there are some people that are just holding the rope, just making sure that the ministry goes on. Because if Paul dies in Damascus, then there's no church at Corinth. And there's no church in Ephesus. And there's no church in Colossus. And there's no church in Galatia. And there's no church in Philippi. 
and there's no church in Thessalonica, and there's no church in Rome, and there's no Timothy, and there's no Philemon. And if Paul dies in Damascus, none of that ever happens. If Paul dies in Damascus, then none of the second half of the book of Acts and the most of the rest of the epistles ever takes place. But because there were some believers who were willing to hold the rope to make sure that the ministry stayed alive and kept going forward, those people, Paul threw it in at the end of it. I know I've struggled with these and those and these and those, but in the middle of it all, I'm thankful for those people that held the rope so that someday I could go to Corinth and preach and I could go to Philippi and Thessalonica and Rome and Galatia. And if it wasn't for the people that were holding the rope, then there's no way that we could have gone forward. May I tell you today that there is no such thing as a perfect church and there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. But thank God for those who aren't constantly raging and angry, but you just hold the rope. You just hold on to the rope. You're just holding the rope. I got some rope holders here. This thing is a pain. Amen. I need some help. Yeah, he, I got some help. I got the best help you'll ever get. I'm going to tell you, rope untying is way below the bishop's pay grade, but he ain't afraid to do it. Amen. I've, look at that. I'm un, Oh, hallelujah. I was unrolling the wrong end. I've been on the wrong end of a lot of stuff over the years. Amen. Let me tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for a young man that will hold the rope and be in the prayer room before every service. Amen. I'm thankful for young men that break away from religious tradition. You you all going to have to just just stand up and grab the rope. I'm thankful for families. Let, Let it slide through your hands, boys. I'm thankful for families who come to church year after year who raise their children to be involved and serve. Amen. I saw where somebody said that God knew they needed you. Thank you for holding the rope. Thank you for being part of the church. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for giving and working. You'll probably be on camera tonight, won't you? There you go. Thank you, Brother Kenny, for mowing the cemetery Every single week, nonstop, making it look good. It's a labor of love. And on and on and on and on we go. How much rope? I got, en- I got enough rope. I can get all the way back here. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for going to the jail. Another one got the Holy Ghost Wednesday night in the jail. While we were having camp meeting here, they were having camp meeting there. Is everybody holding the rope perfect? Is everybody that's holding the rope Have they ever made mistakes? Sure they have. But thank you for holding the rope. You've made sure. By you doing what you do, by you being involved and doing what you've done this week, you're making sure that someday we're going to fill that building up, not just this one, because you're pushing the ministry forward. What I've come to say is thank you to the people that just work and just work and just you ought to thank God that you got a church to bring your family to. Bishop, I want to hold the rope. When when I was the youth pastor here, I thought that my job was to help make the best saints I could for you. If I'd have known I'd have taken over for you, I'd have worked even harder. But I, I didn't see it as my little kingdom. I felt like I was here to serve you and to help you 
make, make saints out of these young people. And thank God so many of you are here with your own families. Thank God. Thank God that people over the years have held the rope. I want to be part of the kingdom. I want to be part of the work of God. I don't want to be the peril in the story. I don't want to... I don't want to be the peril in the story. I want to be one of the ones that he said in the middle of all that, somebody was willing to hold the rope to make sure that the ministry goes forward. Thank you. I'm prophesying a great revival in Marshall County and the surrounding area because of you. Not because of me, but because of you. Because you're willing to serve and work and give and do. Thank you for holding the rope. Oh, praise God. Everybody lift your hands. Everybody lift your hands. Oh, come on. The Holy Ghost is trying to... The Holy Ghost wants you to be a rope holder. You are part of the solution. You're part of the future. You're part of the work of God. Bishop Wilson... Thank you. Thank you. I walked through here this morning. I, I woke up about 3 o'clock or so, and uh, I, I tossed and turned. I tried to sleep in a little bit longer. I laid there for a while. You know how it is when you've got something on your heart. You can't, can't rest. I came over here this morning. I walked around here, and I walked into the prayer room. And when I left Friday night, it was chaos. They'd been selling stuff out there all week. And I walked in this morning, and it was completely back together. Praise God. I, w I opened the door down to the, the old dining room. We call it the Lillian Hall in honor of Sister Lillian Wilson. And, and the first thing, I went through that door, and I stepped through. And Brother Stan, I saw, that, I saw that woodwork that you did on that stairway. Thank you for that. How many nights did you come to get that done? I saw it, and I th said, thank God. Thank God that there's somebody willing to work. I walked all through this place. I walked in the sanctuary, and I looked around, and I said, God, we wouldn't have this if it wasn't for these good people that love you, that serve you, that give, that work. Amen. There's only one reason we can have camp meeting. That's because you made a church that's able to have a camp meeting in it. Thank you for what you do. Brother Benny, Sister Janet, thank you every Sunday morning for Difference Makers fixing food for us so we can come and get our minds together. Amen. Thank you to everybody that serves. They're in here for practice. They come. Thank you. That's what I want to say. That's what this message is really about. It's not to get sidetracked. It's not to get sidetracked by the perils that people sent. It's to remember that somebody held the rope so the ministry could go forward, so Paul could go to Rome and Galatia and Athens and Corinth and Thessalonica and Philippi, so Paul could raise up a Timothy and a Philemon. Thank you for holding the rope. Oh, I feel like you ought to raise your hand and say, God, thank you for giving me the privilege of being part of the greatest thing going. Thank you, God, for giving me the privilege of holding the rope so the work can go forward. Stand with me and lift your hands all over this place. Oh, Holy Ghost, I'd love for the Holy Ghost to move in this place right now. I'd love for the Spirit of the Lord to come down and touch somebody with a fresh anointing. Maybe you're weary and tired, 
but the anointing of heaven can come down in this place right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on, let's pray. Because somebody held the rope. Oh, come on, that's right, let's pray. God, help my spirit to be right. God, help my heart to be right. God, help me to be a rope holder. Oh, come on, let's pray all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you for landscaping. Thank you for mowing and weed eating. Thank you for striping the parking lot. Thank you for carrying out the trash. Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for helping. Thank you for cooking. Thank you for cleaning. Thank you. Hold the rope. Paul said in the middle of all the struggles to try to make the work of God happen. I can't get sidetracked only thinking about the perils. I can't, let, I can't let all the perils and all the struggles and all the weariness and all the painfuls, I can't let all that keep me. I got to remember that somebody held the rope so that God's work could go forward. Why don't you lift your hands and let the Holy Ghost work here? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't want to be a stumbling block, Lord. I don't want to be a stumbling block, Lord. I want my heart. I just want to hold the rope. I want to be part of the kingdom. God, I don't have to be in charge. I don't have to be the main man. I don't, God, I just want to be a rope holder. Just let me. If I can help Paul, if I can help Paul get to the next place, if I can just help the church at Corinth get planted, I just want to hold the rope. Oh, Jesus, why don't you reach over and pray with somebody close to you? God, help us. God, help us. Does anybody feel a pull to the altar? Well, it's not an admission of sinfulness. By coming to the altar, you're not saying, okay, I've been a problem. You're not saying it, but just, just say, that's where my people are. That's where my kin are. Come on, 
Somebody, you ought to step out and just join your family in the altar and minister one to another and pray one for another. They may need you to hold the rope for them today. Oh, Jesus, that's right, come on. Thank you, God, for your people. The Lord said, I'm jealous over Jerusalem and Zion. God, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost flow through these brothers and sisters. Come on, pray one for another. There's an anointing of the Holy Ghost here. My temptation is just to close, but I feel a move of the Spirit in this altar. God, I pray that you would breathe the fresh anointing into somebody's spirit today. God, breathe fresh life into somebody's soul. Oh, great Holy Ghost, I pray you move in this place. That's right, talk to him. Open your mouth and talk to heaven right now. God, help me to hold the rope. Help me to do my part. Help me to be part of the gospel going forward. Help me to be part of the work. I might not be able to go to Corinth, but I can hold the rope so Paul can get there. I may not be able to raise up Timothy, but I can hold the rope so Paul can. Who would have thought that a task as mundane as holding a rope could be instrumental in most of your New Testament being written? Who would have thought that something as, 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 that takes as little education as just holding a rope would be instrumental in raising up ministries and a testament of the Scripture? Don't downplay the importance of the little things you do for the kingdom of God because holding the rope makes it possible for everything else that's going to happen from here on out. Lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven and begin to talk to the Lord. God, help me to do my part. God, help me to be part of the answer. Oh, that's right. Come on, lift your voice. I want to hear you pray out loud that God would work.
you today. Let him pour his spirit out on you today. Help me receive your word, God. Help me receive your word, God. I want my family to be saved. Help me receive your word. Thank you.
ask the Lord to help you receive his word today. Help us, Lord, to apply your word to our lives. Help us to be able every day to hold the rope. I'm praying for my leaders. I'm praying for my church. Come on, tell the Lord. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for my leaders. I'm praying for souls. I want people to be saved. I want people to be saved. God, give us revival. Give us revival. The word like this brings revival. It brings revival. Thank you, Pastor, for obeying God today. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've been blessed to hear the great word of God one more time. I'm a great man of God. Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget service tonight, 6.30, prayer time at 6 o'clock. Don't forget all the other activities. Keep believing. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Be saved.